Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. If you're looking for a one-to-one teacher, someone who can give you English lessons or like a coach who can listen to you, talk to you, give you guidance, give you feedback, uh, if you want an organized teaching program or if you just want someone to talk to you on a regular basis so you can get English into your regular life, check out italki. Um, that's exactly the service for you. Um, you can also get a free lesson when you buy some speaking time with them. Go to teacherluke.com co.uk slash talk to get that offer or click an italki logo on my website you're listening to luke's english podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk hello folks welcome to luke's english podcast how are you doing out there in podcast land i trust that you're well That's a kind of fancy way of saying, how are you? It's like a formal way of saying, how are you? You don't use it very often. Uh, In fact, it's very rare to get formal uh, when you're speaking. I trust that you are well. It is my great pleasure to welcome you uh, into another episode of Luke's English Podcast. I trust that you're in good health. Um, Welcome to the show. I'm actually recording this one on a little portable uh, microphone thing. I don't need to go into all the details of that. I've already done that in uh, enough detail recently, but I'm walking around while I'm recording this one. Um, it makes a nice change. Instead of being stuck in a chair while I'm talking to you, I can uh, I can actually walk around the place. And I'm walking around my flat. It's uh, a boiling hot evening here in July in Paris. Uh, boiling hot. Actually, I don't know what the temperature is, but I think it's... Today it was something like 35 degrees here, which is a little bit too hot for comfort, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I know that in I know that many of you now are going, "Ha, huh, 35 degrees? That's nothing." Uh, where I'm from, it's uh, it's it's basically molten lava where I'm living. That's you might be thinking that it's like you know that scene in in uh, the end of Star Wars Episode Three where Darth Vader gets nearly nearly gets burned alive or Anakin Skywalker gets burned and him and Obi-Wan Kenobi are having a big fight and the whole planet is lava that's where I live Luke so don't talk to me about 35 degrees that you might be thinking that equally you might be thinking where I'm from it's constantly cold I'm frozen to the bone right now I'm just a I'm essentially a block of ice um yeah that's you might be thinking that I, I'm just a, I'm like a snowman, basically, listening to this, and 35 degrees, that sounds like paradise. Well, you know, it's all uh, subjective, isn't it? It's all a matter of perspective at the end of the day. It's all about, it's all, you know, it's all perspective, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, you know, temperature and comfort and all that. But anyway, for me, 35 degrees is really a bit too hot, thank you very much. Can you just turn the temperature down? That would be nice. Uh, evening time. Uh, and I'm walking around, and uh, I th- I've just c- 
literally just come downstairs. I thought that I would start this episode off by walking around a little bit and talking to you while I'm getting myself a glass of water. Um, okay, and if you don't like it, then you're just going to have to live with it because that's how I roll. Technically, I'm not rolling. I'm walking around. So I've just opened up the dishwasher and I've got myself a glass, as you do. Uh, the glasses are boiling. Everything is hot. Everything is hot. The glasses come out of the dishwasher. They're all, they're all boiling hot. Like, literally, the, the, the floor tiles under my feet are warm. Uh, the floor is just warm. It's like someone left the heating on. It's like God left the heating on or something. Anyway, um, so I'm recording an episode here in the evening. It's very warm, uh, but it's nice. The sun is kind of shining. Apparently, it's going to cool down over the next few days because it's going to rain. Oh, lovely rain. Oh, I like it when it rains when it's hot because it's, re- it's refreshing, isn't it? And it reminds me of home. Yeah. Um, all right, close the dishwasher. Got my water. You're going to listen to me drinking a glass of water now. It's a free podcast, isn't it? Yes, it is. So you're getting your money's worth on this. Okay. Mm, lovely, refreshing water from Paris. Actually, the water in Paris is not that bad. Someone told me that it's a combination. Uh, the tap water here is a combination of spring water, like natural spring water, and sort of reconstituted water or cleaned, you know, water that's been recycled and cleaned water that was once at at one point it was waste like sort of water that was recycled from the the sewer system essentially i think many cities do that right they take the water that's been discarded like waste water and they clean it up in a in a number of different ways uh i had a student in one of my classes not long ago who uh told me about the whole process it was fascinating I instantly forgot everything he said, though, as soon as I left the room. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've had lots of students doing presentations over the years on different subjects. Some of them have been fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I've been like riveted by the, the presentation, like listening not only to the subject, but paying attention to all the language they're using so I could give them feedback. Really interesting things, and... Oh, Almost all of them, I've just instantly forgotten them as soon as, uh, I've, as soon as the presentation's finished. It's weird, that, isn't it, the way, the way that happens? Ooh, I've just noticed there are people on the balcony opposite me, and they're looking at me. They must think, who's this weirdo? What's he doing? He's doing something weird again. Anyway, the sun is setting in the distance. Um, there's a beautiful sunset. I should take a photo of that so I can put it on the... Uh, Put it on the website so you can see it. Let me take a photo of the sunset, ladies and gentlemen. Just doing that right now. Oh, yeah, you can hear my phone. Maybe you can hear my phone. I don't know. This is fascinating stuff, isn't it, on the podcast? Uh, But like I said, you know, free, getting your money's worth on this one. Okay, so, oh, oh, okay, nearly fell over there. Oh, the drama of of, uh, being able to move around while I'm doing the podcast. So... In this one, I'm going to do that thing where I go through some comments and questions from the website. Um, and uh, I'm going to sort of talk to you about various things that have come up on the website recently. And uh, we're going to start with, um, well, I've got loads of things I could talk to you about. For example, I could talk to you about the fact that, I'd, are you interested? I don't know if you are. You've, of course you are. 
That's why you listen to Luke's English podcast, isn't it? You, you expect a little bit of rambling from time to time. Um, I could, for example, tell you about the fact that uh, about five days ago, I played an hour of football. So I played five-a-side football for the first time in about five years. It's been fi- about five years since I played uh, football properly for any length of time. And uh, about, well, five days ago, um, I was invited to, to play with a group of guys, um, these, all these French guys. I know one of them. He invited me to come and, and join them. And uh, we played five-a-side football um, on like an indoor pitch with fake grass, you know, the kind of thing. And, uh, and it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. So all of you out there who do exercise while you're listening to the podcast, like you're jogging, you're riding bikes and things, I totally get it. It's a brilliant idea. Do your exercise. It's really good. Now, I, for me, football is the thing that I like to do, even though I haven't done it for ages. I do like to play football. I'm not the greatest player. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I'm not rubbish either. I'm not one of those total losers who can't, uh, who's just constantly running around trying to chase the ball. And then as soon as it, he gets it, he loses it. I mean, a bit, I'm a bit like that. But I can, I can tackle. I, I can pass pretty well. I've, I've, if I get uh, the right chance, I can hit the ball hard and low in order to score. Um, and I like to play in goal. I like to uh, try and stop the ball, you know. And I, I like the teamwork of, of a game of football. I like the psychology of the game, the tactics, the fact that you've got to move into space, that you have to, you know, that you're constantly running back and forth, uh, trying to get into space, uh, trying to draw uh, defenders uh, away from the goal or, you know, creating space, moving into space, uh, passing and moving and all that stuff and creating little opportunities and also the communication on the pitch. And it, it can be pretty basic, even in French, you know, just saying here, you know, pass, shoot, nice one, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was fun. And uh, as a result, though, I'm because it was the first time I'd done that for about five years, naturally, my body is suffering as a result. So I'm aching. I think pretty much every muscle in my body is aching. Like every muscle that you can think of is aching. Every bone, every muscle. Um, so I'm in a great deal of pain. But somehow, like mentally, it's very good for you. I think doing exercise, as you probably know, if you're running right now, you'll be experiencing it. Doing exercise releases all kinds of endorphins in your body. Endorphins, not dolphins. Uh, endorphins. There are loads of endorphins running around in your body after you do exercise. They, might, they feel a bit like dolphins. It's like having loads of dolphins swimming around inside your body, but good dolphins. You know the way dolphins are happy? You've got that basically running through your, your body. Endorphins, technically. I think they're sort of, I don't know, what chemicals that the body releases uh, when you do exercise, and they actually make you feel good. That's why they say doing exercise is a bit like a drug. You know, you, feel, you get a rush or a high afterwards. Um, it's brilliant. And also, I found... Um, that having done having run around for an hour exhausted myself completely i mean i was in real pain i had stitch for an hour do you know what stitch means stitch is when you are doing exercise and you kind of because you can't really breathe fully you you can't provide enough oxygen into your body that you need to you get like a pain in your side 
It could be like a, a sort of pain in your stomach or a pain in the side that just stays there. And it's like, oh, so you're running around with this stitch in, in, in your side or in your stomach. So I had stitch for the entire time. I was basically out of breath for the entire time. And I, I sweated buckets during the game. I'm still sweating now. I'm still sweating. Hear my voice. I'm still sweating now. Um, and uh, anyway... But it felt good. And the effects of, I guess, those endorphins or the fact that uh, you flush out a lot of the, the sort of toxins when you do all that sweating. You're flushing out a lot of the toxins and things. And it, it, I guess the endorphins as well, they, they mean that you feel less stressed. Uh, you feel less anxiety. You have less frustration. You get a clear head. You end up with a nice positive feeling. You feel a bit lighter uh, and more positive. It's really, really nice. So if any, you know, if you are out there feeling a bit what depressed or feeling a bit down or um, just feeling a bit lethargic or a bit sluggish, you could say, uh, then you know, get up off your backside and do some exercise. Hard exercise for an hour. You know, do enough exercise that you feel the pain. You know, you sweat a lot and you feel out of breath. Do that for about an hour, and your body will ache afterwards, especially if you don't stretch and, and warm up and warm down. Uh, your body will ache, but um, you will get a really good uh, uh, effect from it, which will be that it'll just make you feel better. It just really sort of clears your head and generally makes you feel better. It's good for the mind, it's good for the body, and it's good for the soul, I think. So there you go. That's just... Um, uh, something about doing exercise. Uh, also, this week I'm I'm working hard. I'm teaching uh, a very uh, intensive uh, teaching schedule uh, at work uh, th- uh, this week and also last week uh, at the British Council where I work. Sometimes I have these intensive uh, courses. We 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 do intensive courses during the summer. That's where you teach thirty hours in one week. So students come. Uh, and they they choose to study English for six hours a day uh, for five days, so that's thirty hours, uh, and it's that intensive. You know, everyone's quite tired. It's great because you really get to really go into some detail. You, they get loads of practice and feedback and all that stuff. It's really good uh, sort of workshop, and it's a really intensive week. You know, but it also is quite exhausting, especially in these temperatures. And it's been very hot and sort of quite exhausting. Um, so that's what I've been doing recently. What about you? What have you been up to? How's work? Going all right? Yeah. What's it? What's the temperature like? Nine hundred degrees. Oh my goodness! Keep drinking lots of water. Okay. Uh, if you're on the other side of the world or in the southern hemisphere or something, it might be winter. So keep yourself warm. Just imagine that you're in Paris where it's boiling hot right now. You could just do that. Um, let's go into, let's, let's get into the comments section um, and go through a few comments and things that I've picked out that have arrived recently. Um, I've, I've done this, this is this sort of, what, the third time I've done this fairly recently? Uh, but there's so much stuff going on in the comments section that uh, it's quite a, a nice way to, to build episodes and I don't have to do that much preparation work. I just pick out a few comments and then Bob's your uncle. Um, first thing I wanted to say, I just wanted to ask if how many uh, uh, listeners I have in Germany. How many German Lepsters do I have uh, out there? 
Uh, now, I'm asking that is because there was some talk in the comments section of a, uh, a Lepster's meetup in Germany. And I'm just sort of floating the idea out there, just in case I've got any uh, German listeners. Um, I'm not sure where you all are, but I'd just like to get an indication of um, you know how many people I've got listening in Germany. And the question is, would you like to get together with each other and, and, and meet up and speak English and uh, um, you know meet some fellow listeners and have a nice time speaking English? Um, if you if you would like to do that, just well pay it. I would say watch this space. Okay, uh, let me know first of all. Uh, hello, I'm I'm in Germany. I'd love to meet up. Can you let me know when it's going to happen and and where it might happen? You could send me a message like that. But also just watch this space because um, I think that someone might be setting up a, a German Lepsters meetup at some point, but I'm not sure where it is exactly. So it's just a, a bit of a heads up. That one, just a bit of a heads up. You know, just to bring your attention to something. Just a bit of a heads up about the uh, possible uh, meetup for listeners in Germany um, coming soon. So watch this space for more details of that. By the way, for those of you out there in other places where you haven't had a a Lepster's meetup, feel free to get one organized, you know. Um, And, uh, you know, just if you want to do one, you could um, set up a a, a meeting, uh, create the event, like choose your place and time and date and then let me know and i can announce it and uh uh, hopefully you'll you'll get some people joining you okay here's a message from adam adam um was um adam is is a listener who wrote to me a while ago and told me about his um commute remember his his journeys to work his commute apparently when he's commuting to work he has to travel quite a lot in his job and uh, he listens to Luke's English podcast while he's commuting. And he's the one who came up with a measurement of, of time or a measurement of distance. He decided to call it a Luke. I think a Luke is the distance that you can travel in one episode of the podcast. I think that's one version of a Luke. Or either that a Luke is um, just like the about 75 minutes, which is a sort of typical length of the podcast. So one Luke is equivalent to about 75 minutes. We've got an hour, which is 60 minutes, and a Luke is 75 minutes. I'm very flattered that someone has decided to name a unit of measurement after me. That's very nice of you. Um, I, I doubt that it'll be taken on by the global community, but, you know, you can, you can hope, can't you? Anyway, Adam wrote this to me. He said, hi, Luke. Uh, hi, Adam. Uh, I've just done one of the best or worst things in my life. Only time will tell. I've just visited one of my colleagues in Romania during a business trip. His name is Laurentiu. Okay, I've probably pronounced that badly. Uh, but anyway, Laurentiu. Okay. Um, Laurentiu, by the way, hello. If you're listening, hello. Hello to you, Laurentiu. This is kind of a special message for you here. But it might apply to other people listening to this as well. So, uh, Adam said, during uh, a business trip, uh, I met one of my colleagues in Romania. His name is Laurentiu. And I've never seen such a shy person who completely has no trust in his English skills, except maybe myself years ago. Uh, One could ignore this if English was not a must in our international company. But without English, he will lose the chance for communication among colleagues, professional development, promotion, etc. What is funnier is that probably 30% of the words in our language are almost the same as in English. They're based on Latin origin. 
So Adam here is talking about Laurentiu, his colleague who doesn't really speak English very well, and, and someone who is, is very shy about it. And basically, Adam wants me to encourage Laurentiu to, to pursue English and to improve his English. And I'm going to continue reading what Adam wrote. He said, um, I gave him homework for the next 30 days. I've copied for him about 50 of your podcasts. I hope he will hear at least one per day traveling to the plant and back home. He spends two hours daily on the bus. Wow, Adam, uh, homework of 50 podcast episodes in 30 days. That really is, um, that's like binge listening. Um, I hope that Laurentiu likes the podcast. If he likes it, obviously that's going to be a pleasurable experience. If he's not keen on it, um, that might be difficult, but we'll see. Um, and Adam continued by saying, I think everybody deserves a chance, like I got several times. I was thinking that you could give some courage to Laurentiu. If it isn't me, he might believe you. Thank you, Luke. Regards, Adam. P.S. I still measure time in Luke's. Today, it was about 4.5 Luke's to get home. 4.5 Luke's? That's a long journey. Uh, so, Laurentiu, hello. Hello, hello, Laurentiu. If you're listening, hello. And I would just like to say, I know how you feel, okay? I mean, it sounds like you're quite... I don't know. It sounds like you're a beginner in English. I wonder if you can understand any of the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. Do you understand? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know. Ask Adam to help you if you need, if you need the help. But anyway, Laurentiu, if you are listening, I know how you feel, all right? Uh, you're shy about, you know, using English. I know how you feel because I have similar experiences with French, okay? And it's about habit. It's about getting into the habit of, of practicing the new language. And it's about breaking your mental barrier because it's kind of a mental barrier that's stopping you. Uh, it's about breaking your attitude and trying to get into the habit of using English and trying to develop a positive approach to doing it. I struggle with French probably for similar reasons to you, Laurentiu, because I feel shy about speaking French. I feel bad that my French isn't better than it is, you know. Um, but the thing is, like, how can you persuade someone to change their mind? Laurentiu, how can we persuade you to change your mind and take a more active approach a more um, proactive approach to your English. What can we do? Because I know from personal experience, I hate it when people go on at me and put pressure on me. Like, I hate, I, honestly, I, even though they're right, I can't stand it. Like, Luke, you need to be speaking French. It's like, I know, I know, I know. Um, they're right, but still, I can't stand having the pressure put on me. So maybe I know how you feel, Laurentiu. Maybe you feel annoyed that people are sort of pressurizing you. Maybe Adam is like really annoying. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, I'm sure that, Laurentiu, I'm sure that you know the reasons why you should learn English. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so what can we say to you, Laurentiu, that's going to help you? And I think about myself. I think, what do I need to hear? What would I like to hear that would help me to do more French. What are the things I would like to hear? So here is just some things that I think I would like to hear that equally you might like to hear too. So first thing is about learning a language, about coming out of your comfort zone, about speaking the new language and just experimenting 
without you know without being worried about making mistakes the first thing is it's a lot of fun actually it really is it's a lot of fun to play around and practice a new language it's fun and the more you do it the more fun it is you see because every time you're doing it you you break through a little barrier every time and it can be a lot of fun you can experiment you like you know you're speaking a new language it's like becoming a new person and that's really exciting actually so you know just consider it to be a fun thing actually in your life uh and Laurentiu, you can do it your own way you can do it your own way it's totally up to you you don't have to do it in the way that they taught you at school you can do it any way you want to do it it's completely up to you there are so many things you can do you know whether it's just watching game of thrones in english or it's a you know talking to people about game of thrones i don't know if you like game of thrones or whatever it is you like you know there there's loads of things you could i'm sure if you're listening to 50 podcasts in 30 days you, i've probably given you a few ideas i hope but anything anyway anything and everything you do in english is good it's all good it's all money in the bank essentially you know uh, so i would say don't worry about what's the best way to start don't worry about finding the perfect way to do it just start in any way that you can even if it's not perfect you know listen uh read things uh speak do some exercises if you've got a book make mistakes learn from your mistakes don't worry you're not going to learn it all okay you're not going to learn it all but you can learn a bit and that's much better than nothing so make mistakes experiment have fun and you will make progress okay you will if you just do a few things you could maybe listen uh, you could just do a little bit per day you could just do 10 minutes of english per day 10 minutes of reading or 10 minutes of listening for example uh you could maybe try 10 minutes of of luke's english podcast per day okay you've got your 50 episodes um and this one as well if you're listening to it uh what if he's not listening well imagine that if he's just not listening and i'm just talking to nobody but anyway everyone you're everyone else you're listening in on the conversation right you're all there going yeah yeah larynch you yeah what what he said that's what you're all thinking right now or maybe you're going oh maybe that's maybe i need to be doing that too or maybe i maybe this is something i could tell my friend or maybe this is something i could tell luke about his french clearly this is what he wants to hear as well that no one's telling me uh, so you could write to me and say oh luke just do this just do that hey just have fun don't be afraid to make mistakes it's all part of the experience you could larynx you, you could do just 10 minutes a day if you've got your 50 podcasts you could just listen for a minimum of 10 minutes of each episode so start the episode and listen to 10 minutes try just to get 10 minutes okay 10 minutes minimum you you can't stop it for 10 minutes okay you keep listening if you don't like it after 10 minutes you can stop you can do something else but if you if you do like it if it's not that bad if you kind of enjoy it and you understand a few things then you can keep going for a bit Maybe you could break it down into 10-minute chunks. I'll listen to 10 minutes, and then if I don't like it, I can stop. Or I keep listening for another 10 minutes, you know, break it down into 10 minutes. Adam, you might need to help explain this. I don't know if, what Laurentius' listening level is. But just listen to 10 minutes. Just try to understand what's being said. Just relax. That's it. No pressure. Just take it step by step. Start with a little bit. Later on, 
you can start doing other things. You can start doing more complicated ways of practicing. But right now, just 10 minutes, when you see Adam, talk to him a little bit about some of the things you heard, even if you don't like it. You could tell him in English, I thought it sucked. It was boring. He kept talking about stupid things. As long as you're speaking English, as long as you're using English, that's the most important thing. Okay, another comment from Adam here on the same subject. Adam said, hi, Luke. Um, I'm just finishing my business trip to Romania. So this is like later on. He said, no vacation, just a job in many plants in different places in Europe. Last week, I was trying to convert Laurentiu to English. Let's wait and see how it works. I have a feeling that I've successfully infected my other Romanian colleague, Christian, with leperholism. So Adam is apparently going around infecting people with leperholism, like some sort of podcast zombie going around Europe. Uh, zombie or I, w- I was going to say vampire, but that would just be a cliche, wouldn't it, Adam? That would be that Christian, Adam, Laurentiu. I'm not going to do the vampire thing because you've heard it before, haven't you? No, I'm going to stick to zombie. Okay, so you're like a podcast zombie and you're going around infecting people with leperholism. Fine. That's great. Go ahead. And good. I'm glad that you've you've uh, converted or infected uh, Christian with leperholism. That's great. Um, Adam continues by saying, I hope that you're, you're not angry if I try to cure myself with the In Our Time podcast. What do you mean, Adam? Try and cure yourself with, your, with the In Our Time podcast. Oh, I see what you're doing is you're trying to get off the leperholism by listening to the In Our Time podcast. No, I don't mind. Go ahead. It's a BBC podcast, In Our Time, presented by Melvin Bragg, I think, who used to be on TV for many years in the UK. Yeah, go ahead. Of course. Of course, Adam. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Fine. Um, And he said, please, if you could encourage Laurentiu and he could hear this, it would be great. See my previous podcast comment. Regards, Adam. Okay, well, um, here here are some... uh, Here are some other things that Adam said. He said, can you imagine being so afraid to say more than three words and then you jump to your comfort zone, to your language? He's like this. Well, Adam, yeah, I can imagine that because sometimes I'm a a bit like that. I'll speak a bit of French and then I'm just like, and I'll just shut up for a while because I'm just too shy about it. Honestly, um, um, and Adam said, I know the following story. This is Adam's story that he wrote to me. 17 years ago, Uh, A young, well-educated guy went to an interview to get a good job in a big American food company. I wonder which company it was. Let's say it was McDonald's. So, what, you needed a job in McDonald's? I'm joking. Anyway, so um, he said he got, like other candidates, a case study, a real problem, and he gave quite an interesting solution to it. Finally, he qualified for the next round. Everything went well until the check of the English language. The guy wisely said, I've learnt German in one year, so for sure I'll learn English. But at the moment, I cannot say anything longer than my name is. So, yeah, I can't speak English now, but I learnt German in a year. No problem. I'm sure I can manage English. Uh, I'll do it later. I can say my name is, but I'll, I'll get English later on. No problem. The manager seemed to understand, so he tried to encourage the guy. The discussion was like this. Just please say anything. That's the manager speaking. Just say anything. And the answer from the guy was like, no, 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 not now. But uh, I will learn, definitely, in the future. I'll start tomorrow. 
Okay, but not now. I can't do it now, okay? Eventually, the guy was so convincing that the manager could not give him the job. Right? And uh, the message ends with, I hope, Luke, that you will not ask who the guy was. I think we know who the guy was, uh, Adam. This is, is this one of those things where you're talking about someone else, but maybe it's the person who's telling the story? Oh, you know, don't ask who the guy was. We all know it was... We know it was you, Adam. Obviously, it was you. But it's a great story. And the point, the moral of the story, I think, is that, uh, you know, don't do it tomorrow. Don't do it tomorrow. If you keep saying, no, no, I can't do it now. No, 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 no. Eventually, the manager will be like, no, no, no. Okay, no, you can't have the job then. Um, So positivity. You've got to be positive. You've got to take a risk. You've got to step outside your comfort zone and do it now. Don't do it tomorrow. Yes, Laurentiu. Here are some other things that I'm going to say to you. Um, is this overkill? Maybe. I'll do it quite quickly. You can read this on the website. Don't be shy. Give it a try. Laurentiu. Don't be shy. Give it a try. The worst thing you can do is to say nothing and do nothing. In language learning, the worst thing you can do is to say nothing and do nothing. But lots of people do because they're shy. If you're worried about making mistakes, the biggest mistake is to do nothing. Uh, Don't do it later. Do it now. Do it right now. Even if you're on your own, speak some English to yourself. If you're in the car, just speak a little bit of English to yourself. It doesn't matter. No one's judging you. Don't put it off until later. Later doesn't exist in language learning. There is only now. Speak English now, you must. I sound like Yoda. There is only now. Do, do or do not. There is no try. Stretch out with your feelings, Laurentio. Use the force. The force is strong with this one. Feel the English, Laurentio. Breathe. Relax. Let the English flow through you. And if you're worried about looking stupid, don't worry too much. Okay? It's not worth it. Sorry. Okay? I know you're worried about making a fool of yourself. You're worried about looking stupid. I can hear Laurentio now go, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Well, why aren't you doing it then? Yeah, okay. Maybe you're maybe you're a little bit shy. Why are you shy? You're worried about looking stupid? Well, sorry. Nobody really cares that much. We don't really care that much if you look that stupid. No one cares, really. Nobody's judging you as much as you are judging yourself. So just give yourself a break. No one cares as much as you do. It doesn't matter that much. It's not a big deal. Every day, Millions of people around the world, I promise, millions of people who are learning English are experiencing, and not just English, millions of people who are learning any second language are experiencing exactly the same feelings as you right now in exactly the same situation. Millions of people are feeling shy and they are breaking out of their shyness and they're taking a risk and they're doing it and they're benefiting and they're moving on and they're learning languages, right? Millions of people are in the same situation So, do you think that you're different to them? Anyone can learn English. The only thing stopping you is you, actually. Now, you feel like an idiot when you speak another language, right? And you you don't want to look like an idiot who can't express yourself and who can't make the right sounds. That's, you know, I feel like an idiot when I'm speaking French. Um, it's, It's true. I shouldn't. I mean, like, for example, I read in the comments section today, Antonio... Um, one of the members of the Orion transcription team saying this, he said, I don't, I never feel stupid when I make a mistake in a foreign language. If I'm making a mistake in English, I never feel stupid. 
The thing that makes me feel stupid is if I make a mistake in my first language. That's a good reason to feel stupid. But if you're learning a language, there's no reason to feel stupid if you make a mistake. It's part of the learning process. So, you know, I know you don't want to look like an idiot who can't express yourself. I feel the same in French because certain sounds in French are difficult to make. Like the R sounds and certain vowel sounds like U, which I can't really do very well. And if I want to order water, as I've said on the podcast before, du l'eau, which I can't say very well, un, un bouteille d'eau or un, un verre d'eau, uh, uh, un carafe d'eau, I can't say it very well. I can't say it confidently. That's the problem. It's the confidence. I can't say the thing with confidence. So if I'm ordering water in a bar or in a restaurant or a cafe or something, uh, obviously, I don't order water in a bar. Usually, I order the strongest of alcoholic beverages. Um, but um, anyway, if I'm ordering water from a waiter, I always feel really self-conscious because I'm like, um, eh, uh, un carafe d'eau, un carafe d'eau, s'il vous plaît. You know, it just, I make it sound English. Dough. That's not how you're supposed to say it. Uh, so I feel self-conscious too, but it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so no one will think you're an idiot that much. You're just judging yourself. In fact, people will probably be impressed that you're making an effort. They'll find it charming. They'll find it nice that you're trying to speak another language. And if someone judges you, then it just means that they're a loser who's not worth worrying about. Okay? So when you when you speak English or when you speak another language, it can feel like you're not in control. That's the thing also that makes people feel uncomfortable. You feel like you're losing control a little bit. But not being in control is the greatest thing ever. It's really fun. People love not being in control. We drink. We go crazy to music. We go on a roller coaster at Disneyland or something. We do all these things so that we can feel like we're not in control. Okay? It's fun. So enjoy the feeling of danger and excitement in in taking a risk with English. And anyway, it's not even that risky. What's the worst that's going to happen? What are you worried about? You're going to break your tongue? Oh, I spoke English. I broke my tongue. Uh, what's the matter with you? Oh, imagine some guy turning up at the office. He's on crutches. His legs and head are all bandaged up. It's like, what happened to him? Oh, he tried to speak English. What happened? Did you injure your chin? It's not going to happen. Okay. There's, it's, it's perfectly fine. Take it one step at a time, Laurentiu. Laurentiu. Do you like the way I'm saying his name? Laurentiu. Um, Laurentiu. Just take it one step at a time. You don't have to be brilliant at the start. You can be crap at the start. It's fine. Anyway, I'm sure you're not that crap. I'm sure you're better than, than you know, than you think. Uh, just improvise as well. Just make it up as you go along. No one's got a clue what they're doing anyway. You'll be fine. Everyone has to, if you're a beginner, right? Everyone has to be a beginner when you begin. That's why it's called being a beginner. Okay, how can you expect to do something without beginning it? You have to begin everything. You have to be a starter. You have to start everything. Imagine if I wanted to eat a pizza, right? But I didn't want to start the pizza. I didn't want to start eating. I just want to eat the pizza without starting. It's impossible. You, you can't eat any of it without starting. Kind of a stupid uh, analogy, but you know what I mean. So everyone has to be a beginner when you begin. That's why it's called being a beginner. But even but when when you don't even begin, when you don't even start, you're nothing. 
right? You're not even a beginner. You're nothing if you don't start. You're just a monkey spinning through space. There's no name for you if you do nothing. You're just zero, nothing, just a line. So open your mouth and say something and you'll automatically be upgraded from nothing, from a monkey spinning through the universe in space, in a vacuum of space. You'll be upgraded from that to beginner on earth with all your friends in immediate level up um, i think i'm over egging the pudding ladies and gentlemen don't you think i think i'm over egging the pudding a little bit to over egg the pudding that's when you do too much you go a little bit over the top you add you know you do too much too much luke okay that's enough you've over egged the pudding i think you can move on okay all right then Laurentiu. sorry for going on at you okay but, you know, I've got the best intentions. And listen to Adam. He knows what he's talking about. He speaks from experience because his friend also went through a difficult experience like that, too. When I say his friend, yes, I mean him. That's right. Um, next thing. Next thing, next thing, next thing. Um, so uh, some people have been taking part in Jill Marnie's 15-day challenge. Perhaps by the time this one, this episode is published, the 15-day challenge will be over. It started on the 17th of July, so you can do the maths on that one. 7th of July it started. So 15 days after that, and the 15-day challenge will have ended. But anyway, as I'm recording this, some people are still doing it. So if you're part of the challenge, I hope that you're managing to keep up with all of those episodes all those 15 episodes, uh, and that you've uh, been discovering or rediscovering some episodes from the archives, and that you've found Gilmani's uh, little grammar and vocab quizzes to be useful. I think it's a great idea. Well done, well done, Gilmani, for doing it. Now, I got a comment. I, a few people have been commenting on the old episodes, which is quite interesting. Some people have been going back in time uh, to old episodes and commenting on them. And now coming back to the future again to listen to this one, I suppose. So, um, for example, Naomi uh, wrote an ep- a comment on episode 30, which was called The Mystery Continues. Uh, the Mystery Continues is, a, is the second part of a little mystery story that I wrote for the podcast. And it basically tells the story of um, how I got involved in like this weird... It's a, it's a fictional story, uh, of course, about how I got involved in a weird sort of... Um, s- kind of alien encounter in london next to the river thames and uh i had to go and visit sherlock holmes in baker street in order to investigate what had happened and then there's like this sherlock holmes investigation and it ends with a sort of science fiction ending and it's related to doctor who and stuff uh and naomi wrote um she said i love this story it's amazing and funny both the story and luke's narration thanks naomi In terms of the grammar, I often get confused between I jumped in a cab and I jumped on a bus. Uh, So in a cab, on a bus, on the train. Does it depend on the vehicles? How do I know which preposition to use? So it's basically in a cab. It's in in or on. This is the question. In a taxi, on a bus, on a train. Which preposition is it? Does it depend on the vehicle? Well, Naomi, yes, it does depend on the vehicle. And actually, my friend uh, Carrick Cameron, who I used to work with, he came up with this... Uh, he told me this little theory or little way of of explaining it. I don't know where he got it from. I understand that it's probably a well-known uh, idea. But Carrick said to me, 
this one. Basically, if you can stand up on that vehicle or in the vehicle, if you can stand up, it's on. And if you can't stand up, it's in. So it's, for example, I am on a bus and I am in a bus, okay? Uh, sorry, I'm on a bus and I'm in a car, okay? So if you can stand up, it's on. And if you, uh, if you can't stand up, it's in. So let's test it on a few different types of transport, okay? So I'm going to say some transport, uh, modes of transport. I want you to tell me if it's uh, I am on it or I'm in it, okay? Uh, car. That's right, I'm in a car. Uh, taxi. It's basically a car, isn't it? So I'm in a taxi. Horse. Uh, I'm on a horse. I mean, you could say I'm in a horse, but that would mean something else. I'll let your imagination do the work there. Fine. Uh, bike. I'm Obviously, I'm on a bike because you can stand up on it. Yeah, you, you know with that thing where you stand up on the pedals of the bike? Yeah, that. I'm on a bike. Motorbike. Same thing. I stand on a motorbike. I'm on a motorbike. Uh, you stand on, you know, you can stand up when you're riding it. Uh, a canoe. A canoe. A kayak. You know, one of those things that you use if you're sort of on a lake or something, you might have a canoe, um, all right? Find a long, thin boat with one person in it, a canoe. Uh, well, you are probably in a canoe, I would say, in a canoe. It's, you, it is, technically, it is possible to stand up in a canoe, canoe, but, I mean, we all know it's not ideal, is it? Because when you do have to stand up in a canoe, that's always a really sort of difficult tricky moment whoa i'm gonna stand up in the canoe i'm gonna fall in the water no sit down in the canoe so you're in the canoe fine helicopter depends on the size of the helicopter if it's a small one you're in the helicopter if it's a really big one like one of those massive army helicopters you can say i'm on the helicopter if it's big enough for you to stand up Uh, a plane again if it's a big plane where you can walk around inside it's on the plane uh, if it's a small one with a tiny little cockpit like a uh, a fighter jet or something, you're in the plane. Uh, Spitfire, in a Spitfire, that's a kind of fighter jet. A fighter, not a jet, a fighter plane from World War II. It had uh, propellers on the front, uh, a propeller on the front. So in a Spitfire. Uh, tank, it's in a tank, isn't it? Unless you're standing on top of the tank, in which case you're on a tank. You're either standing on it or sitting on it. Uh, but, you know, inside it, obviously, you're in a tank. Camel. Camel. You can be, again, on a camel. Uh, or technically, you could be in a camel. But, uh, uh, you know, I refer you back to the horse example from before. I actually saw a Bear Grylls episode. Do you know Bear Grylls? He's like a British um, survival expert. He's one of these guys who can go out into the wilderness with just like... Uh, he can go out into the wilderness with just... A sort of a pocket calculator and he can survive uh by eating sand and and uh you know catching insects with his tongue and you know that kind of thing um i saw an episode of bear grills where he was in the desert and he needed shelter okay in the desert shelter from the sun or shelter from the cold at night and you know what he did he, he uh, there was there was a dead camel he climbed inside the camel for shelter. Ugh. So you could say, I'm, I'm in a camel. Like if someone had called him on his phone, I'm, you know, if he had a phone with him, ring, 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 ring. Uh, yeah, this is Bear Grylls. Hi, Bear, it's Luke. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. Where, where are you? I'm just in a camel. What? Yeah, I'm, 
I'm just don't know. I'm in the desert and um, it got a bit hot, so I climbed inside a camel. You climbed inside a camel? Yeah, I t- I'm making a TV program. Okay, I'm actually staying in a hotel, but I did. The, you know, I'm st- I got in a camel because it looks good on TV, and I thought that uh, maybe you can talk about it on the podcast. That might be interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll mention that when I do the prepositions thing. Exactly. Yeah, I'm in a camel. In a camel. On a camel. That's quite good. Okay, right. Well, I better go because, well, because I'm in a dead camel. It's it's not very nice. I'd I'd rather go and back to the hotel and have a shower now, Luke. Okay. All right, Bear Grill. Bear Grills. I, I won't keep you. That's a very interesting name you've got there. Yes, it is, isn't it? Bear Grills. Yeah, that's right. Can we stop the phone call now? Yeah, sure. Okay, look. Bye then. Bye. Enjoy the shower. Click. Uh, so I'm on a camel, I would imagine. Uh, skateboard on a skateboard, train, on a train, uh, boat, well, again, depends on the size of the boat, but most of the time you'd say I'm on a boat. If it's a tiny little boat, you'd say I'm in a boat. Like, for example, if it's a dinghy, a dinghy, that's like one of those little boats that they have on the side of other boats. You know, when the big boat goes wrong and you can put the dinghy into the water and everyone jumps into the dinghy and they probably will die in it. I I don't know. It depends uh, if they're out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and they get rescued or not. But anyway, a dinghy is a little boat. Uh, Often it's inflated, isn't it? Hovercraft. If it's a big hovercraft, you're on it. If uh, you get the idea, right? UFO, UFO, probably in a UFO. If it's a small one, if it's a massive one, it's on a UFO. You get it. Okay, fine. No worries. All right, then. Um, what's, what time is it? How long have I been going? Have I been going for long enough? I might just, uh, I, I might cut my losses and um, sort of stop here. I don't know. What do you think? Do you want some more? Okay, come on, let's have some more. All right, then. So I got another message um, on the website recently. I get, you know, obviously loads of comments going on all the time, but here's another one I picked out. And this one is from a listener called Salwa, and it's about formal and informal language. And I thought this might be an interesting one to to look at. And this is Salwa uh, replying to the episode, uh, the last episode about get. Okay, uh, that whole thing about get. Um, And so Salwa said... uh, Brilliant. I like the idea of dedicating the whole episode to one specific delexical verb. I love learning phrasal verbs and expressions. Learning these will help us end the intermediate plateau. You mean like sort of get off the intermediate plateau. Uh, Looking forward to more episodes on other verbs in the future, like go, put and keep, for example. Uh, Salwa, you should check out a phrasal verb a day. 130-ish episodes each with an individual, a different phrasal verb in each episode. Check out the website. Look, click on episodes or hover the mouse over episodes and find phrasal verb episodes and Bob's your uncle. Um, so, and Salwa says, but we shouldn't use phrasal verbs in formal speech and formal writing, should we? And she says, I don't know. I know that I shouldn't use phrasal verbs in formal emails. But again... Article, but then again, articles in newspapers today um, are taking more and more of an informal tone. The line between formal and informal English is not completely clear for me, and it's a bit confusing. Thank you, Luke, for this wonderful episode. Oh, thanks, Salwa. It's nice when people say nice things. Um, Salwa, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right um, about what you said, basically, that, uh, yeah, we don't generally use phrasal verbs in very formal writing like very formal emails or or academic writing. That's true. Uh, 
Um, and I understand that the line between formal and informal English is a little bit unclear. I'm going to try and explain it a little bit. Um, here are some comments, right? So I would say, yeah, you're right. Don't use, you probably shouldn't use phrasal verbs in very formal writing, like impersonal emails and letters, like very impersonal emails and letters, very formal stuff and academic writing. But they do appear in newspaper articles that use a neutral tone. And sometimes they appear in financial reports that, um, that use quite a lot of idiomatic language. Including, uh, phrase, including phrasal verbs like shot up, like sales shot up in the last quarter, or picked up, you know, uh, sales dropped um, in February, but then they picked up in, in March. So that kind of language is sometimes used in financial reporting. But um, yeah, in very impersonal emails and letters and academic writing, you probably shouldn't use phrasal verbs there. So let me just tell you a few more things or talk a little bit more, ramble a little bit more about formality. So let's talk about formality in writing and in speaking a little bit. Um, it depends on the situation, of course, as you know. Let's look at writing first. So people seem to think, right, that phrasal verbs might be these very informal and therefore disrespectful language um, uh, or something. It's not really the case. Like phrasal verbs are very common in neutral speech and writing, neutral speech and writing, including in professional contexts, in newspaper articles, including stories about financial reports and things like that. You see them all the time in those con contexts. So phrasal verbs are not like rude or, or inappropriate. They're, they're neutral, really. Um, to be honest, the vast majority of the English that you will use will be in a neutral tone. It's fairly rare that I write or speak in a formal way, to be honest with you. The vast majority of the English I'm using is, is just neutral. So let's have a look at these different forms. F number one, formal. Number two, neutral. And number three, informal. Okay, so starting with formal language. Um, uh, in writing, this is basically formal language is primarily an impersonal form. It's impersonal. It's about creating an impersonal distance. For example, university essays and assignments, you'd use formal style in that in those sorts of writing. Uh, professional co correspondence in which you have to use lots of distance because of the respectful uh, sort of nature of the relationship. If you want to show a respectful distance then uh, formal language would be would be appropriate in that. And um, <clears throat> you use it when you're communicating on behalf of the company with people that you don't know. And you want to add that impersonal distance to show respect, high levels of politeness and so on. Also, it can make you sound, when you're speaking, it can make you sound incredibly old-fashioned and distant, like a bad guy from a science fiction movie or Dracula or something like that. If you speak with a high, highly formal tone it can make you sound very old-fashioned like i did at the beginning of the episode i trust that you are well you know i trust that you're in good health i trust lord vader uh i trust that you are in good health i see you have some breathing problems uh but that's normal okay sorry okay this isn't appropriate style is it to talk to you i find your lack of faith disturbing you know that kind of thing um, sorry, the, the formality broke down there a little bit, didn't it? But if you speak in a really formal tone, it's going to make you sound very old-fashioned and impersonal, like the way that 
uh, Darth Vader speaks to, like the way that the the uh, staff on the Death Star speak to each other. They speak in this very sort of uh, uh, stiff kind of formal tone. This is an unexpected pleasure. We're honored by your presence. You may dispense with the pleasantries, Commander. I'm here to put you back on schedule. I assure you, Lord Vader, my men are working as fast as they can. Perhaps I can find new ways to motivate them. I tell you, this station will be operational as planned. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. But he asks the impossible. I need more men. Then perhaps you can tell him when he arrives. The Emperor's coming here? That is correct, Commander. And he is most displeased with your apparent lack of progress. We shall double our efforts. I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Um, then you've got informal language. Um, which is much more personal. This is like the way that you would speak to a friend or a family member, someone you're very close to. It can sound very friendly on one hand, but also if you use it in the wrong context, it can be rude. It can be very familiar, too close, too presumptuous and close if you're using it in the wrong situation. Imagine, for example, if you're writing to the Queen or if you are just talking, if you've met the Queen Obviously, if you're talking to the Queen, you need to sort of use a very formal style. Uh, Hello, Your Majesty. It's a great pleasure to meet you, for example. I don't know if she likes Your Majesty. I think she prefers to be called Mom. Anyway, if you're writing to the Queen, you'd probably adopt a formal tone, right? What you wouldn't do is use excessively informal language because that would, you know, be inappropriate. If you can imagine, hi, Liz, what's up? So how are you handling this heat wave? It's a nightmare, isn't it? It's so hot. I'm totally boiling in my flat because uh, I live in a tiny little flat. It's, it's a horrible little scummy f- piece of sh- crap, really, compared to your amazing house. But uh, yeah, I'm totally boiling in my flat. There's no air con because my landlord's an, I- an absolute idiot. I mean, WTF, right? I bet you're keeping cool, though, because you've got so many fans, lol. Um so on one hand that's very friendly and relaxed but on the other hand it shows absolutely no respect if you aren't personal friends with that person because it's too close isn't it there isn't enough distance um and then neutral language which is like somewhere in the middle uh and in fact you can get uh, formal formal neutral style or informal neutral style so neutral's big you know you can get neutral that's a bit formal and neutral that's a little bit informal basically neutral language is a little bit personal and friendly sounding it makes you sound like a human you know but it's not so friendly to the extent that you seem uh what was it what am i saying uh it's not so friendly that you seem uh, overly familiar you know um uh so uh, you know it's not too formal so that you sound distant and cold and old-fashioned uh, but it's also not too familiar so that you don't seem inappropriately friendly. It's just the whole space in the middle. And as I said, the vast majority of language that we use every day is neutral language. Um, it can be a bit more formal, for example, using no contractions 
or probably using the bigger Latin words or certain polite constructions. Or it can be slightly less formal where you're using contractions and maybe slightly more emotive language or, or in, uh, slightly incomplete sentences, for example. But neutral kind of covers most of the, the forms of communication that we have. Here are some examples, okay? Here are some examples. What do you think would be appropriate? Would it be appropriate to be formal, neutral, or informal in these situations? What do you think? So the first one is this. Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine, who are the, uh, the leaders of the Galactic Empire, like the most powerful people in the world, very serious dudes. Darth Vader and El- Emperor Palpatine are visiting your office and you're writing a welcoming letter to be presented to them on arrival. Well, of course, it would be formal, right? It would be deeply uh, impersonal, formal. You know, we, uh, the, on behalf of the staff at the office, we should like to extend to you our warmest welcome. We sincerely appreciate uh, a visit of your Royal Highness, the Emperor, and uh, Lord Darth Vader, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's like formal neutral, I'd say, that is. Um, Okay, Um, and what about this one? A letter from the management company about the annual expenditure and building costs on the flat that you own in London. So I'm going to give you a real example now. I do have a little flat in London where I used to live, and I rent it out to uh, a tenant, uh, okay, and uh, the whole thing is is run by an agent. So they write these letters to all of the um, all of the people who've got legal relations with the building. So there's there's a whole building, and like you know, different people own the flats in the building. And so the company responsible for managing all of the legal stuff they write in in this kind of style. So uh, the letter has a big title in the middle and it says notice pursuant to section 20b of the landlord and tenancy act 1985 um and it goes pursuant to section 20b of the landlord and tenant act 1985 as amended notice is hereby given on behalf of the queen's gardens association limited the landlord of the above property that expenditure in the amount of bloody bloody blah pounds have been incurred in respect of the building's running costs in the year ended 24th of December 2013. Please find enclosed a draft statement of expenditure for the period ending 24th of December. Accordingly, you may be required to contribute to those costs by payment of additional service charges to the extent that they exceed amounts already paid on account in accordance with the provisions of your lease. Oh my God. Just get to the point, man. So basically, this is very formal language. It's very impersonal language. And essentially, what it's saying is that it's saying this. Um, so basically, a, like the way it's written in the Landlord and Tenant Act, um, we are just letting you know um, that uh, we had to spend this amount of money on the building this year uh, just to keep the building going, just general running costs. So you'll find in the letter... Um, a statement of expenditure for the for the period, and uh, because of that, you might have to pay for some of those costs. All right, which is not a nice letter to receive, is it? It's not. I mean, this is the kind of thing. Basically, it's like you have to pay some money, uh, but they've written it in this fancy impersonal language so that there's no offence. Because if they're like, "Oi, you, Luke, you've got to pay money." 
it costs us loads to run this building, so you've got to pay a bit more than normal, like everyone else. Sorry. Then you're going to be offended, aren't you? Instead, they write it in this very powerful, sort of uh, impenetrable formal style, which when you read it, you go, oh, God, this is serious. Oh, I better pay the money. You know, it's like when you get a letter from the bank. They don't go, uh, dear Steve, um, sorry, mate, but uh, you owe us, uh, you, you know, sorry, mate, but you, you don't have any money in your account. So you're going to have to pay us an extra £100 as a charge. Sorry about that. Can you do it in the next five days? Thanks. They would never do that. They would say, in accordance with uh, something like, um, what, it, what would it be? Uh, pursuant to uh, your uh, account balance being in arrears to the tune of £17, um, we have been forced to apply charges to your account in excess of £100, but not exceeding £150, uh, which will have to be paid uh, pursuant to Article blah 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 of the Banking Code. Uh, basically, it means you haven't got any money, so you have to pay us £100. But if I, if I haven't got any money, how, do I have, how can I pay you £100 if I've got no money? Well, you should have thought of that before, shouldn't you, Mr. Thompson? But it's very inconvenient for us that you don't have any money. And to remedy that, you're going to have to pay us more. But I don't have any money. Sorry. Okay. Um, so here's another one. Uh, you are writing to a manufacturing company requesting information about a new product range. I would say that one would be neutral to formal. Uh, Dear sir or madam, I am writing in order to uh, inquire about uh, your... uh, I'm I'm writing in order to inquire about uh, an order of one of your products. Uh, Would you be able to send me a copy of your most recent catalogue? You can use the address above or uh, by email at this address. Yours sincerely, Luke Thompson for example, okay? Um, How about this one? You're a marketing manager writing an internal email to a member of the accounts department, who you know, to ask for some sales data. You know this person because you sometimes have meetings with them and you have had lunch together a few times. And it would probably be this, dear uh, Amanda, uh, or just like, hi Amanda, because you know each other, right? Hi Amanda, um, could you send me uh, the, the last quarterly report just so I can use it to prepare my presentation at the uh, at next week's meeting. Thanks very much. Best regards, Luke. All right. There you go. So that's a kind of neutral to informal because you know the person, but it's business-like. How about this one? Um, you're writing to your best friend. I think you know the answer already. Uh, you're writing to your best friend because you want to remind them to water the plants in your flat when you go away on holiday. So it'd be like, hi, Dave, just a quick reminder. Don't forget to, to water the plants in the flat. Nice one. Cheers. See you when I get back. The drinks are on me. Something like that. The drinks are on me. That means I'll pay for the drinks. And how about this one? You're writing to your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend to suggest that you have pizza for dinner this evening. So you're writing a text to your partner to suggest that you have pizza for dinner. Now, that would be very informal. You could just do it like this. Pizza? Maybe that. Pizza? Question mark. Heart? Because, you know, you, you should add the little heart. It's nice. Or just, just literally a little emoticon picture of a pizza with a question mark. Huh? Pizza? Just that. That's enough if it's... You know, you, you know that person that well. 
just the least amount of information necessary with a little kiss. Pizza tonight, kiss, something like that. Um, with phrasal verbs going... so Okay, did you get that? Formal, neutral and informal? All right. With phrasal verbs, I would say it's a fairly reliable rule that the more formal you get, the more formal the situation, the less you use them. Okay, so we do use them in neutral situations, but the more formal it becomes. If you're talking to Emperor Palpatine, you probably wouldn't use them. Uh, there's usually a formal equivalent to a phrasal verb, but it's usually a, a, a verb of Latin origin. For example, you've got call off, call off the meeting. Uh, the equivalent would be cancel, cancel the meeting. Uh, put off. Uh, can we put off the meeting until next week, please? Uh, I've got some very important pizza to eat. Uh, put off the meeting until next week. And the, the Latin version or the sort of the bigger version, the more formal version would be postpone the meeting until next week. Uh, can you carry out uh, Can you carry out that survey, Ca- carry out that action? And the uh, more formal version would be execute. Execute Order 66. Can you carry out Order 66 within the next couple of days, please? Okay. Uh, get across. Get something across. I'm just trying to get the message across. And the more formal version would be to communicate the message. Um, sorry about the hold up or uh, you're holding everyone up. And the, um, the, formal, the more formal version would be to delay. You're delaying everything. Um, I do apologize for the delay. Sorry about the hold up. Okay. Uh, pick up and collect. Uh, get off and alight. Have you heard that one? If you've ever lived in the UK, if you've lived in London, you would have heard that. Uh, this is a district line train to Cockfosters. Uh, a light here for Charing Cross Road. You know, a light here. Just it means get off. I ne- I've never, ever heard anyone say a light in any other situation except on the on the train network. You know, this this is a Piccadilly line train. To Cockfosters. There is actually a station on the London Underground called Cockfosters. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of my favourites. I've never been there. Uh, I, imagine there's just, I imagine they're just fostering loads of cocks there. Just cocks everywhere because it's called Cockfosters. What's a f- um, bring up a child uh, to encourage the development of something, to, to stimulate, to cultivate, cultivate. Like, the, like a farmer would cultivate uh, plants or crops. Uh, foster traditionally used to mean cultivate. So cock fosters, I suppose that's a place where they cultivated cocks. I, I mean, I imagine when they, when it's a cocks, I mean, it's chickens, right? It's nothing else. But it always makes you giggle a little bit. I mean, this is a district line. This is a Piccadilly line train to cock fosters. A light here for the London uh, Flower Museum or something. And you're like... This is a, this train's going to Cockfosters. Did you hear that? Yeah, if you've got a stupid sense of humour. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, get off, alight, and turn down would be refuse. Okay. Phrasal verbs are less formal than their Latin equivalents, but you will find them in language, including financial reports, professional emails, and so on. So if you're being really formal, avoid them. If you're just being neutral, you'll probably want to use them a bit. If you're being informal, you'll definitely use them a lot. That's the best I can say right now, Salwa, okay, without writing a whole book on the subject. So keep your eyes peeled when you're reading or hearing different types of English. See if you can notice the difference based on the context. Um, All right, then. Okay. Uh, Cat. 
um, uh, the the probably the most common most common commenter, most frequent commenter. I don't know if she is common. Um, anyway, frequent the most frequent commenter I, I still think is Cat, and she replied to Salwa. And she said, uh, Salwa, I have the same confusion here. I have to write tons of emails every day to people from different countries, using English, of course. The question I'm always asking myself is, how formal and how informal can I get without confusing the other side? Often I have to check myself before I wreck myself. Which is a kind of, uh, that's a phrase that comes from like hip-hop, isn't it? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, Quite funny that Kat's using it there. I have to sometimes I have to check myself before I wreck myself. <laughs> and at times I fail badly, I fear. The other day I wrote to a lady in the UK whose name is Claire. She wanted to double check on something and I wrote to her, "Hi Claire, I see there is a need for some clarification here." Uh, nice one cat. <laughs> uh, cat said, "Now I'm a bit worried, maybe I shouldn't have written such things. What do you think?" Well, and then Kat in another comment said, then on the same day, I was desperately trying to invite some students to one event that we were organising for the said Claire. As I wrote to our students, she, she wrote this, come and build a bridge to the University of Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Because I imagine that uh, Claire is from Cambridge. So Kat said, I don't know how it sounds for native speakers, but sometimes it's fun to have a bit of fun at work. Well, Kat, um, uh, (laughs) I like it. I have to say I enjoy it. I do enjoy that. Hi, Claire. I see that there is some need for clarification here. Uh, (laughs) Come and build a bridge to the University of Cambridge. Okay, right. So, cat making jokes in emails. What do you what do you think, listeners? What do you think? Well, I would say obviously it's fun, but beware of making jokes in emails. It almost never works. If you're lucky, cat Claire is a hundred percent lovely, and she'll just find it she'll just find it charming. If she's one hundred percent lovely, she'll just be like, oh, cat's kind of got a nice sense of humour, hasn't she? And then she'll she'll lean over to someone in the office. Sandra, have you ever have you had an email from Cat? What is she like? Eh? Isn't she isn't she funny? Now, if she's a hundred percent lovely, she'll be like that. But what are the chances that she is a hundred percent lovely? Okay. Now, I think there's a big risk that she'll be partly not lovely because not everyone is a hundred percent lovely. Some people aren't that lovely, and they they don't have the patience for little jokes and things because they're trying to work and it's like serious work stuff you know serious i'm a very serious person working 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 and then you get an email uh based on your own name uh hi claire i see there's some need for clarification here (laughs) and you might think oh god that's annoying isn't it so there's a risk you see uh cat that that claire might find that a bit cheesy and a bit uh a bit cheesy like clarification, <laughs> mm. um, the um, see because humour is really hard to pull off, especially in writing, unless you're being self-deprecating, 
And I also don't recommend that too much either, especially in emails. But I would also say beware of making jokes with people's names. They might just get a bit triggered by it, you know, because people can be very touchy about that kind of thing. I mean, you know all this already, Kat. Honestly, you know all this. You just wanted to make a joke, I'm sure. Drinking some more water, excuse me. Mm. You know all of this, Kat. You probably just wanted to make a joke. But anyway, just here are my thoughts. I would say beware of making jokes with people's names. They might get a bit triggered by it. You know, they, they might not see the funny side of that. Uh, I feel a bit awkward here, you know, Kat, because I, I have said before that humour is everywhere in British culture, that we love humour. There's, a, you know, it's, it's everywhere all the time. But remember that we do go for self-deprecating humour quite a lot. And that's kind of like understatement or putting ourselves down, making a joke at our own expense a little bit. If you do like wacky puns, like clarification, if you do a wacky pun on someone's name, they might just think that you're being a little bit annoying. They might find you to be like the annoying office joker. Every office has got one, the kind of guy who's like, uh, uh, you know, like David Brent in the office. Now, I'm not comparing you to David Brent's uh, cat. I mean, uh, technically, I am a little bit, but I don't, you know, I'm not saying that you're like that. I'm just saying that beware, you know, there's a fine line between using humour and using it in not quite the right way. British people, we love a pun. We love a little joke. Uh, but uh, And Catherine, you are very charming, but I don't know the relationship that you have with Claire. So maybe she will like it and it'll help you to bond. You'll And when you finally meet Claire, Claire will be like, Cat, it's lovely to see you. I, love, I do love reading your emails. Oh, your sense of humour is wonderful. Your English is good, you know. And then you can say, well, uh, you know, I've been listening to uh, the In Our Time podcast. Um, that's why. Mm. Um, so, thing is, though, Cat, how is Claire supposed to respond to that joke? Uh, hi, Claire. Uh, maybe you need some clarification. How is Claire supposed to respond to that? It's actually hard for Claire to sort of do the same thing as you. It's hard for her to adopt the same tone. Because, you know, the, you know the rule in emailing that if you're not sure of what tone you should be using, you just copy the same tone the other person has used. So if they've written to you in a formal style, you write to them in the same formal style. If they've said hi at the beginning, you can say hi. You know, if you copy the other person's style and that way you're on the same page. But how can Claire sort of follow that? I mean, it's quite hard. Is she, does she have to do a joke now too? She's not going to do it because she might not have a good joke. She'd be like, dear cat, uh, I categorically disagree. Hmm. Or dear cat, P.S. Are you actually a cat? Because if you are a cat, that's amazing. You should be on YouTube. You know, I, she probably won't do that kind of thing. It's going to be difficult to, for her to respond in the same way. That's why it's potentially inappropriate. Because Claire, Claire's going to be like, how do I respond to that? Claire might find it cute. She might think you're a little bit nuts, to be honest. I think you're very charming, Kat. I think you know what you're doing. But um, anyway, I just thought I would say that. How do, how do British people respond to that kind of thing? Well, I think I've given you some explanation about that there, you see. Um, you know, um, the Cambridge University joke is a little bit better, in my opinion, because it's not a joke about someone's name. Okay, so it's slightly better. It's slightly, there's slightly less potential for it being... For, there's slightly less potential for it backfiring on you. But thing is, right, with the Cambridge University one, build a bridge to the University of Cambridge. Um, does Claire 
work at the University of Cambridge? Now, if she does, fine, that's good. If she doesn't, then she might be thinking, well, what do I have to do with the University of Cambridge? I, I work in Cambridge, but I'm not at the University of Cambridge. Um, uh, actually, saying that, Kat, I think she probably does work at the University of Cambridge, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have said that, I think. Anyway, I'm now teacher-splaining, aren't I? I'm teacher-splaining. Do you know what teacher-splaining is? I don't think it's a word. I've just It's a portmanteau word that I've just come up with. Mansplaining. This is when men explain things to women in a patronising way. Like, um, yeah, oh, uh, your mo- you've got a new mobile phone. Look, here's how it works. You just uh, flick that, uh, press that button there. And uh, email. You know what email is? Yeah, yeah, you've used email. Here's how you set your email up. And just sort of the way that men assume that women don't know what they're doing and they patronizingly explain things to them. It's called mansplaining. Um, so there's this thing called mansplaining. Now I'm teacher-splaining. Teacher-splaining is when a teacher patronizes someone by, by explaining something to them in great detail when they already knew it which is probably something I do all the time because as a teacher, you know, I, I can't stop teaching. Um, maybe I'm teacher-splaining you now and I might be making you feel bad, Cat. I, ho- I hope not. Uh, your jokes are sweet and nice, but the danger is that they might backfire on you. So in my experience, I don't do any jokes in my emails. I'm, very, I'm just nice and enthusiastic and I try to uh, refer to things that the person has said in the email if I can. I keep it, try and keep it short and simple, uh, but I try to avoid the jokes because usually they don't work. And anyway, you don't know if they've worked. So you can't see if the person's laughed or not. Uh, so I would avoid that kind of thing in emails, mainly because there's no chance for you to react quickly to rescue the situation if she doesn't like it or understand it. If you tell a little joke in a social situation and you see the person doesn't understand, you can rescue it by going, oh, I'm just joking, you know, or you can you know, use your body language to show you're joking. And then they'll know. But in email, you send it, it's gone. You've got no way of recovering the situation. So it's just too risky. Email lacks all of the subtlety of body body language. No, let's not go there. Body language, uh, facial expressions and intonation that you need to help make a joke like that work. Okay. And I speak from experience, Kat. I speak from experience as someone who's put my foot in it by making silly jokes which impressed nobody And I speak from experience as someone who has also found silly jokes to be slightly inappropriate and slightly annoying and awkward in emails too. Okay, right. I think we're nearly done here. Uh, How long have I been going for? An hour hour and 20 minutes. Right, that's it. Abort the episode now. It's too long. Um, Okay, Laurentiu, are you still with us? I wonder. I wonder if you're there. Anyway, everyone... Thank you for listening to me rambling on about such things as, what did I talk about? Um, The weather, the football, my teaching schedule, um, any Lepsters in Germany, are you up for a meeting? Uh, Adam and his friend Laurentiu trying to encourage Laurentiu to to take the leap and uh, uh, try and get into speaking English and get over his shyness. Uh, uh, and then some comments about uh, prepositions on a bus and in uh, in a car, formal and informal language, and then uh, using humor in emails. Okay, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to join the mailing list on my website, teacherluke.co.uk, um, and you'll see a little thing in the right-hand corner. You can stick your email address in there whenever I upload a new episode. 
you'll get an email in your in, in your inbox and not just new podcast episodes too sometimes it's extra little bits of content and you can look forward to some of that coming soon i think i think i will be uploading a few things which will just be on the website um so um that's just like a little a couple of extra little gifts for uh website lepsters and um email list subscribers uh, so watch out, watch your email lists over the coming few weeks. You might find some website-only content coming fairly soon. Thanks so much for listening. I'm now going to go and drink lots more water because I'm really thirsty. Have a nice day, morning, night, evening, uh, or whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, thank you very much if you've written to me um, recently. I read all your messages. I don't get a chance to reply to them all. But uh, thank you if you've written to me. Thank you also, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, if you made a donation recently. Uh, that That's really, really nice of you. And I appreciate your support. Uh, it helps a lot. Thank you so much. And um, I'll speak to you soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.